Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. And listeners, I am so proud, thrilled, excited to announce that this season we are tackling 1991. And when I say we, I'm not using that in the royal or podcast hosting sense of my own plurality. No, I mean two of my best friends, who are not this week competing to be my best friend, but will starting next week. Ryan and Mike. Hello, gentlemen. I feel like if you had your druthers, you would have a sec- at least one second Greg on here, if not a third. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, three Gregs? But that's just a suck and fuck fest for three hours straight. That'd be crazy. <laughs> and I honestly, that's not good radio. No. Sure, if we streamed it, it would be awesome, but I don't think that there's... A lot of possibility just for our voices. It's a lot of me and Mike talking louder like you do when there's gardeners (laughs) next to you. Just just so people can hear us over all the sucking. I figure if we just don't pay attention to it, he'll get tuckered out and bored. I can do this forever. His (laughs) stamina is legendary. Well, 1991, gentlemen, here we are. And let's take a little bit of time to sort of zoom out and let's look at 1991. First, I want to start off with like, where were we? What were we? How were we? And why were we in 1991? Mike, you yes. are famously not so aged as uh-huh. Ryan and I, but but in For 91, you now. did exist in 91. I, I did exist. Correct? Little Mike was living in Philly thinking, I'm going to live in Philly forever. <laughs> Nothing will ever change. <laughs> Little did I know, not a year later, would I be in California and where Philly, I was just a little weird. Oh, California wasn't ready for me, and I wasn't ready for it. So I was just uh, rocking my Bumblebee hoodie with my little bowl nice. cut, and nice. uh, I was uh, going fuck, to a little artsy-fartsy Quaker uh, kindergarten school Ooh. and loving movies. Would you say Quaker kindergarten school? Would you say that's where you sowed your oats? Yep. I sowed all my oats, Quaker, ate all my cream of wheat. Quaker oats? Mike, now, uh, was this little baby Mike, um, as you were going to kindergarten, what kind of films in kindergarten were you watching? Now, I do remember going to see Beauty and the Beast in theaters for Soli's fifth birthday party, and that was sweet, because it was like two adults for 18 kids, so I was just like, we're going to live forever, and bought all the candy. (laughs) (laughs) They cannot stop us. We could do whatever we want. And that cinematic experience did you enjoy the movie did you feel like you yes. got it all as a kid uh, i think so yeah, yeah i remember definitely. florida i was like i like books even though i couldn't read yet i was like oh i think i'm into nerdy girls <laughs> yes. i already knew like that fucking uh, teapot yeah mrs kettle that chick <laughs> that chick reads and she's smoking up um do you guys remember how important candy was to the movie going experience oh yeah it still is oh, yeah. like, it was based it was the reason for the season See, I, I'm uh, such a fat kid, though, that for me, it was like, I will get the biggest candy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, like, that's what, that is always how I decided. When I got donuts, I would get, like, the cinnamon roll because it was the mm. biggest donut. <laughs> so, I, for me, the decision was just, like, a huge bag of M&M's or a intimidating-sized candy bar. Well, if your parents say you can only have one... You know, either let me get as much as I want, or if it's only going to be one, it's going to be the biggest fucking yeah. thing they have. You flip them off and the be meter. in the 10-pound bag of gummy bears. 
I'm getting the meter-long Toblerone <laughs> for this oh. film-going experience, that is a fancy mother film. and father. This movie specifically, I remember getting ring pops and push pops to finally scientifically figure out what the best non-normal lollipop shape was. I'm a ring Which pop is... guy. Okay, good. Good. Very good. Uh, Ryan, how about you in 91? What's the Ryan experience like in 91? I can definitely... I was more alive than 1975. Sure, yeah. Um... But I was not a movie person. Um, no. Like, I, this is right when I started to watch movies with my dad. And so this is when my taste started to turn more away from your animated films and more into, like, the movies with about 40 F-words and at least a boob scene. At least yeah. one boob scene. Yeah. That was PG. And you know what? I feel like in 91, the boobs were being delivered in movies. <laughs> like, it didn't, like, no matter how tenuous the connection was to what was going on in the action, 91 was going to break you off a little bit of that boobage. I was 10 in 1991 um, for the second half. And uh, for me, I was sort of interested in movies. It was like a family thing we did, but I had never, beco- I had never been more interested in movies than I was in the summer of 1991. And a big part of the reason for that was Terminator 2. And I feel like we don't usually jump right into talking about any movies, and we're certainly going to talk about Terminator 2 multiple times on this podcast. But Well, it could lose in the first round. It could so. lose in the first <gasps> round. Let's be honest. I do feel like it would be disingenuous not to be like, okay, sometimes a movie brings you to a year here on Movie of the Year, and we are brought to 1991 by Terminator 2. Did you... Mike, you were you were like in kindergarten. Were you rocking Terminator Two in kindergarten? There's no way. I was still in my child films like Nightmare on Elm Street, so I was not ready for Terminator <laughs> Two yet. I um I was ten, so I was not allowed to see rated R movies. But I got like a Terminator Two exemption, a hall pass. <laughs> yeah, a hall that pass tracks. to see to see Terminator Two, and it was like the biggest experience of my life to that point. Had like you I had seen to... Terminator 1 before? No. No. I had no idea. I just... But the ad campaign for Terminator 2 mm-hmm. was intense. It started, like, in 1990. Sure. Uh, it started in the summer of 90, and it was just like a... Dun, 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 dun. And then they showed you, like, the T-1000 uh-huh. face, the metal face. <laughs> and I was nine years old, and I was like, I have seen my future, and I want to go there <laughs> instantly. <laughs> I think... It's a really big deal. The rated R thing is a big deal yeah. because basically box office back then and then again now, but not so much in between then and now, um, you had to be mostly for the whole family, mm-hmm. not necessarily cartoons, but your problem's you know, like, child. Your, well, I, I don't know if that was rocking the box office, but uh, it had to have a wide appeal, right? Yeah. And that means that not a lot of rated R movies would ever be number one for the year. The other thing too is that with, not that many exceptions. Um, the Godfather and Empire sequels were sort of saved for the really shittiest action and horror movies. Right. Yeah. That's that's the thing that would pump out sequels. Otherwise, there wasn't a lot of it. And look where we are now. And if they were good horror movies, then they would still pump out shitty sequels oh, yeah. right. of the horror movie. Right? Nobody Psycho connected 2. to the original. Not even the PA, yeah. but... <laughs> from the guy who did the lights for that one scene in Jaws. <laughs> Jaws 2. The shark is back, and this time we can show even less of it. So your options back then were make the first one good and the rest shitty, or all of them shitty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but So Terminator 2 is like, that's 
Bafo. That's mm-hmm. box office. But what is the more general vibe of movies in 91? I feel like we are looking mostly at big studio productions, Ryan. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, there are a lot of gems that, you know, have, you know, garnered discussion and discourse since then. But uh, the, if you look at the box office reports, which we do not, these no. this bracket is uh, created by Letterboxd. Um, the po- popularity of the movies on Letterboxd. But if you look at the box office, yeah, they're major studio fare. This is this is before a revolution happened. Yeah, you know, of the independent movies of us having access to foreign films. Um, we just people didn't know about them. Like you had to be a snob. You right. know, you had to be like this elite coastal. Yeah, it wasn't just snob in any big city, right? It was you were in New York and maybe LA. Like kinda yeah, and maybe Chicago, but that's like they wouldn't have the theaters in any uh like any other city to play the movie. So you would never have heard of them before. Unless you like yeah, read the New Yorker, and unless you spent most of the time with your pinky up in the air and you could then sense the wind (laughs) coming from an an independent (laughs) theater. Uh, and certainly being children, you know, like even going years later and watching the movies of 91, mm-hmm. I am more familiar with the stupid idiot schlock of 91 oh, yeah. than I am with any of the independent or foreign or anything movies. I know there are independent and foreign movies here, and I'm still convinced. No, no, there's not. It's all fucking Hook and JFK. <laughs> And I think a, a big part of the reason for that is we are still in 91. It's the 90s. But it's not the 90s. 91 is the late 80s. (laughs) And I think it's the very, very late 80s, right? And I think a big part of it is, like, we don't want to be challenged by the movies we're watching. Like, Terminator 2 is like, don't do violence too much. And we're like, okay, that message is fine. But we don't want to, like, think about the implications of anything we're doing. We want entertainment to Mm -hmm. just sort of, like, blow our faces off. And that's all we're looking for in 91. I think because of that, too, this is sort of the end of the era of big studios being able to aim for awards. Uh-huh. I think that they, 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 there was a different type of movie that would win awards that, like, we purposely made this. It's epic in length. It's epic in, you know, when it took place or whatever. Um, and so this will get nominated. And there was no challenge to those movies from these smaller movies it, it wasn't until the 90s actually started like in 94 where the mid-majors and the independent studios popped up mm-hmm. started getting their movies into video stores and into theaters that weren't on the coast yeah yeah so if we're looking for movies that are that make us think we might have to be very inclusive of our foreign and independent what what fare there is in those categories right the come and see spot for this year might be hard yeah uh but we are we're definitely going to get a lot of like big stupid idiot stuff and honestly i'm a big stupid idiot (laughs) and so i could definitely go for that but i wonder if it's going to like at all maybe there'll be a dark horse movie that wins Mm -hmm. this year you know maybe like on face value we would think it's going to be something more norm core but maybe nothing will blow us away and so some little sleepy foreign movie will make its way into the finals i also i i'm really excited for this year because i think it might be the perfect year where the age discrepancy pops up because in 1975 we were all the same age and when we do like 2004 
we're a lot closer to the same age. Right. But this right now, this is a big gap between us. And so yeah, five-year-olds and ten-year-olds didn't have much in common. Do not hang out. If you saw a bunch of five-year-olds hanging out with a ten-year-old, you'd be like, hey, ten-year-old kid, go find somewhere else. Get me. <laughs> Shouldn't you be in a factory <laughs> by now? Anything more to say about 91 as a whole, Ryan, as far as, far as you remember it? I mean, it, it felt like we, th- we thought of it as a time of, of plenty, but it was kind of hollow and, and um, a gil- maybe a gilded age in some ways. I think... My guess, and I've always tried to predict these brackets before we do them, and I am so wrong. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you two are my best friends, and I can't guess shit when we do these brackets. But uh, I think that we'll see a lot of the super hollow movies fall off pretty quickly. Because mm-hmm. uh, in the back of our mind, we're always like, wait, we have to do a show about that? Yeah. We can't do that. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch this movie two, maybe three times. <laughs> yeah. And but I think w- what will stay are and I have a couple examples in my head that I'll talk about when we get there um, that seem hollow seemed hollow back then mm-hmm. but over the course of the last uh, twenty five years or whatever it's been um, like there's obviously a lot more maybe the director intended that maybe they didn't but a lot there's a lot more to talk about than just the, you know the explosions or whatever. Well, good. That's definitely the hope. And you know what? I think we have done a lot of pussyfooting, a lot of dancing around, but it is time to put on our waders and go out into the fields of 91 and start picking some winners. All right, here we go in the first round with our first matchup. It's number one seed, The Silence of the Lambs, versus number 64 seed, Homicide. Homicide. Here's what you need to know about Homicide. It's life on the streets. <laughs> yeah, I remember a show called Homicide. Was it based on this movie, Ryan? Are they related? I don't. I mean, they're related in that they cover similar topics. Homicide. Homicide. Yeah. But um, I don't think so. I, this is a David Mamet movie with Joe Montana. Oh, I like David Mamet well enough, but I'm guessing this is about the biggest slam dunk that's ever existed. <laughs> I, I <laughs> in mean, the this, history. I I am so excited about doing this movie. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen yes. it in a long time. Yeah, let's move on. Silence of the Lambs is perfect. Okay, so that is moving on. Number one, Silence of the Lambs squeaks out a victory <laughs> in the the first matchup. Number two, this one is actually pretty difficult for me. It's number 32 seed, The Last Boy Scout, versus number 33 seed. Doesn't matter. Father of the Bride. This one's actually Wait, close for Father me. Father of the Bride slaps. It is hilarious. There's a lot of tremendously good performances. It's at Ryan. It's about having a daughter who grows up, and you've you've been there her whole life, and then she gets married. It's uh, one of our first glimpses into the Steve Martin short. Yeah, it's after, a. It's been a while since Three Amigos. So only murders in the building prequel. Some say. It's so good. I mean, I like the Last Boy Scout, and I would like take the Last Boy Scout over so many different things, but. I don't think I can honestly, personally say I would rather watch The Last Boy Scout or think that The Last Boy Scout or think that it's like a better encapsulation of 91 than Father of the Bride. Okay, that last part is crazy. Father (laughs) of the Bride is basically the same movie that we get every single year. Comes out in malls. Do you guys remember when malls had movie theaters? I love malls. Yes, dude. (laughs) Missed them. I saw this movie in a mall. Uh, Last Boy Scout is just so 91. It's... Uh, it's looking back on the action movies of the 80s, but also sort of predicting how dark and terrible things are going to be with those movies. Last Boy Scout is 91. It, 
it also answers the question, how good at football would you be if you were allowed to bring a gun onto the field? Uh, the best. And the answer is pretty good, dude. <laughs> it is very hard to stop somebody who is running with a pistol. <laughs> and not the most uh, ridiculous thing that happens on a football field in that movie. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> no, that, mo- that movie is about football in a way that night moves <laughs> refuse to be about football. <laughs> okay, well... What's it going to be? Uh, Ryan, I'm going to go to you first. The Last Boy Scout versus Father of the Bride. Uh, if we don't do Last Boy Scout and we do Father of the Bride instead, I will quote The Last Boy Scout, which I can do from start to finish throughout the entire podcast. That's a big threat, Mike. I emotionally am where you're at, Greg, but I am so terrified of Ryan and, yeah. and what he will do. So I have yeah. to vote for The Last Boy Scout. Yeah, that that I I could feel the an energy coming off of that one, and I think we made the right choice. So that is moving on to the next round. Next up is number sixteen, my pick, Bugsy, but against number forty nine, Dogfight. Um, okay, so I'll go with Bugsy. I don't remember that much about Bugsy, but the reason I chose it was I referenced it a bunch recently on a show. <laughs> it's got Warren Beatty, friend of the show. Um, Where is he, by the way? He was supposed to be here. Yeah, he said he said he couldn't make it. Uh, he said he had a hair appointment. But um, and it's a it's a very it's kind of like a sedate gangster movie. It's about more like the logistics of being a gangster, and it's about the creation <laughs> the of Los. Yeah, and it's about the creation of Las Vegas, which was obviously a terrible mistake. Uh, and it's just interesting. So, but this movie, Dogfight, Ryan, do we do you know what Dogfight's about? I do. Dogfight is an amazing movie. Um, this is one of the few like independent movies that sort of took off. Then took off, relatively speaking. It didn't make two hundred million dollars, but uh, it's River Phoenix, and he and his buddies have a bet where um, the dogfight is who can bring the ugliest date to the Ugh. dance or whatever. Ugh. And so he meets Lily Taylor, and they spend the night together, and it's. It's a phenomenal movie. Do you think it's better than Bugsy, the movie I I picked? I do. I think I do. Do you think we should choose it instead of Bugsy, the movie that I picked? Are we voting right now? Well, no, we're just talking. <laughs> nobody I, has I, to vote I, yet. I'm, we're just talking. Nobody here. has to vote yet. I'm just wondering. Because if, if, I don't want to make a dumb mistake here. Is Bugsy the one where all the gangsters are kids? That's Bugsy Malone. Okay. Sorry, Mike. Is that the sequel? Yeah, there's probably a good chance if I've ever referenced the movie Bugsy, I've called it Bugsy Malone. <laughs> so that I may have contributed to that. Man, I don't know. It doesn't sound... That dogfight, that sounds like a traumatic movie to watch. But in such Not, an interesting it, way. He's going to yeah. learn things. And there's going to be so much stupid garbage that we have to watch for 91, like The Last Boy Scout, for instance. Maybe we should give ourselves something a little, a little chunky, a little chewy. I, I, I mean, it's not in support of these dogfights. It's not saying right. everyone should find the ugliest women. Uh, it's, I think that it's actually, in a lot of ways, a precursor to the Before trilogy. Uh, you can definitely tell that Linklater watched this before he wrote Interesting. Sunrise. Oh, man. Ryan knows how he's pitching. That's a strong <laughs> argument. All right. Now we are voting. So, Mike, I'm going to go with you first. Is it going to be Bugsy or Dogfight? I want to know why people love Rivers Phoenix other than he was handsome and died young. So, yeah, I'm going to go Dogfight. Very interesting. Ryan, what do you say? Uh, It's just the one River Phoenix. There's not multiple Rivers Phoenix in this movie. (laughs) Oh, then I'm out. I'm going to go Bugsy, believe it or not. (laughs) Yeah, I think after all that, I'm going to let Greg decide. Oh, how awful. Uh, Well... 
you won me over with your but then you didn't even vote for it ryan that's so confusing to me (laughs) i'm just trying to go i'm trying to go with the flow and then i don't even know how to go with the flow either one of these is probably going to lose i'm going to stick to my guns one of ours has never made it into the actual show and so this is too much of an opportunity for me bugsy moves on (laughs) haha kiss my grits enemies of greg (laughs) <laughs> All right, next up, uh, number 17 seed, the double life of, who is Veronique. it? Veronique. Veronique versus number 48, Sleeping with the Enemy, a movie I remember hearing about and sounds very traumatic. Ryan, would you agree with that? <laughs> uh, yes, and this is not the one starring Ariel the Little Mermaid. That was Sleeping with the Anemone. <laughs> a joke my friend made up when I was in sixth grade. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty good, good joke for sixth grade. Yeah, I have to... <laughs> Here, Ryan, you take this joke. You can use it later on your <laughs> podcast. Don't worry. You'll know when the moment's right. And I did, right? Did I? You did. You crushed that yeah, little no, kid's no, joke. Yeah, you'd be that, proud, right? That was the moment. <laughs> that was the moment for it. What, Ryan, what is the double life of Veronique? This is this might be a come and see opportunity. Um, okay. Because Sleeping with the Enemy is like a pretty average, forgettable thriller. Julia Roberts has a stalker, right? Like That's yeah. the pitch right there. Um, double and she ends up sleeping with him. Probably, yeah. Yeah, that's a mistake. <laughs> double you never s- don't is... sleep with your enemies, guys. <laughs> it's uh, Kivslowski, the guy who did the Decalogue. So we've never done one of his movies, uh, but it, it's about two women, I assumed, named Veronique, um, who are leading suspiciously identical lives. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll probably never find out why because it's foreign, so it's not going to be like one's an alien or a robot. Yeah. It'll probably be something that we have to figure out. Man, like, foreign uh, movies will never tell you what's going no. on. You wish you knew what was going on in this movie, don't you, idiot? We're not going to tell you. <laughs> the thing that's hard is that we don't know how long it is. So we could pick it and it's 90 minutes or three hours. We just don't know. Double life sounds long. Yeah, yeah that is two I, movies at least. I am so much more interested in that than sleeping with the enemy. It's just we now have seen so much bad male behavior that I, I think that a whole movie where it's just about that, I don't think it's going to do anything for us. But instead, a movie with two women. Right. Leading leading essentially the same life. And that's w- in, in arguing against Sleeping with the Enemy, I think there's another thriller coming up that has a much better chance. So why not go for the good stuff? Why not go for the good stuff? Is that your vote, Mike? No, the good stuff. Double life of... Yes. Ryan, what do you say? DLV. All right. Very good. That sounds like that sounds like a very smart answer for us. I am proud of how smart we are. So smart. Speaking of cinema, up next is number eight, The Addams Family, which I assume is kind of a, a quiet, sleepy drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, let's see, number, what is that, 57? An American Tale, Five Locals West? <gasps> no! Why do these have to fight each other now? Bad things happen. So this Why? is the second American Tale, and also in the argument of some sequels are better. Yeah, this is the good one. I forget the first one even exists. <laughs> they go west. That's where we live in the west, everybody. The cat's a sheriff. But when we were on the Patreon show, Patreon show a second ago, I was talking about how horny Dracula is. Oh, talking about, about horny. How we owe it's like horny legacy. Man, the Adams Family. That Adams Family is a movie that shows you you can be married mm-hmm. and you can even have kids, gross, and still be all horned up for each right. other all the time. And in that's front beautiful. of your children. Yeah, yeah. Kids got to know. This no, guess. they don't do anything inappropriate. Be, this movie should be called the Double Entendre of Veronique. 
It's basically the entire movie is double entendre. Uh, and uh, Mike, I'm going to push back there because these two can't even look at each other without it being a little inappropriate for their children to be around. I have to say, yeah. They smell their they smell their own fingers this entire movie. <laughs> oh, and then they make their kids smell their fingers and it's <laughs> Also, I think we can squeeze this bad boy in before Halloween. Oh. Ooh. And wouldn't It is a movie of the year tradition to pretend like in this round that we are going to watch the winners. And then what yeah. always happens is in the next round where we we vote off most of the movies yeah. like the Adams family. Yeah, it's number it's eight, an eight seed. seed though. And that's I'm gonna say high. best theme song to any movie in 1991. Yeah, which is a competition. That's a competition, mm-hmm. and I think we're talking about that, right, Ryan? We are going yeah. to do a segment. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. But for right now, let's vote, Mike. What's it gonna? Or you know what, Ryan? You never get to go first, big dog. Uh, what what moves on the Adams family or um, the an American Tale? Five goes west. Uh, Five goes trash. Five can run around in my asshole all day. I don't give a shit. It's the Adams family, hardcore. Okay, very Richard Gear energy from Ryan there, Mike. Yeah, I uh, I'm not gonna be as derogatory to Five goes west, our Patreon film, but I also think Adams family should take this one down. Adam's family should take this one down. You know, I have to say that reference I made to to Richard Gere, very much an early nineties yeah, reference. Dude, you are in the zone yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> Might work in some Rob Lowe stuff later. For now, let's take the shortest of breaks. Or actually, we're gonna take a short break. You can take break as long as you want, listeners, because on this podcast, you're in the driver's just, seat. Just hit pause though. Don't just put Oh but, yeah. Don't let it play and then walk away. No, I assumed they would hit pause. <laughs> You're going to miss so much stuff. You do have to listen to what we say. Alexa, pause. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is very, very funny or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic. And perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at your pop filter. Email contacts at your pop filter. Hey everybody, keep watching them movies. Our next matchup is number twenty-three seed fried green tomatoes versus number forty seed, and I'm not sure what this is referring to, but the teenage mutant ninja turtles. That's a lot of adjectives. I'm not sure if they're all necessary. They're kind of a riff on is- street sharks, I think. <laughs> you, I know we're we're all having fun here, but like, <laughs> let's not just go and haul off and say something crazy like that. Don't compare <laughs> your biker mice from Mars with fucking <laughs> the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like one of the most important properties of all time. It's uh, Christoph Kieslowski, who did Double Life of Veronique, wanted the rights to street sharks, but they wouldn't give it to him. Right. So he went and got created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I do want to be clear that this is two... The Secret of the Ooze. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, this is Vanilla Secret Ice. of the Ooze? Okay, that yes, is different. the Ooze one. What is the Secret of the Ooze? That if you like loll about in it for a while, you become a mutant? That's not a secret. Here's the thing, Greg. Uh, I'm going to say Secret of the Ooze is like a foreign film and that they ask a question and then never answer it. <laughs> <laughs> they do not actually tell you. Like, here's a secret that I would like answered, or I guess I called a question. Why when Splinter is a man... He touches the ooze and becomes a rat. But when the turtles are baby turtles, they grow into man turtles. Splinter like, what is was the never rules a man. Of the ooze here? Splinter was never a man in the movies. Well, he was a man in in the in the story in the canon in the story. Bible? He was a man in the comics. Right. He was, but not he in the fucking movies. So and the, that's all that matters. And the cartoon and the cartoon show. The show. Well, the in shows, the movies, the he is a little rat 
in a cage watching his master do karate, so he starts to do karate. And that's pre-ooze. That's adorable. That's adorable. <laughs> Look, I know we're about to get the emails uh, about our Ninja Turtle love and how has it gone too far, but when was the last time you had heard somebody bring up the movie Fried Green Tomatoes? Like, I don't want a bunch of shit when we kick this I, movie about old ladies out right now. I think I might have done it on a recent superhero, but it was as a bit of who would ever talk about Fried Green Tomatoes. So... I don't know what Honestly, this is about. It's Mystic all, Pizza, right? All joking aside, if it comes to me, big guys, just so you know, it's obviously fried green tomatoes. Secret of the Ooze? Who gives a shit? I want to know why is this called fried green tomatoes, and is that good to eat? Tokar and Razor, man. <laughs> all right. We're calling a vote. You can't argue with that, guy. <laughs> we are calling a vote. I can name characters. <laughs> is it the much higher seated fried green tomatoes? Or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ryan. Go, Ninja. Go, Ninja. Go. Go, go Ninja. Go, Ninja. Go. Oh, Mike, is it Fried Green Tomatoes, a movie that probably was nominated for some Oscars, or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a movie that Rob Van Winkle did the soundtrack for? <laughs> Rob Van Winkle together on this track? Uh, it's got to be <laughs> Secret of the Use. All right, you heard it here first. Teenage Mutant Turtles Secret of the Ooze will be voted off in the next round. There are <laughs> better podcasts than ours. There are more popular podcasts than ours, but I defy you to find a podcast that sneakily fits in more Bloodhound Gang references <laughs> than this podcast. But then doesn't like really mention that that's what's gone on? No, just for the people in the know. <laughs> for the deep fans. Together All right, the next track. The music in that song fucking next- is awesome. Okay, <laughs> no, 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 I'll no, no, let no, you no. Okay, we have to stop. <laughs> stop. That that's not even good bloodhound gang, everybody. <laughs> okay. Uh up next is number nine hook. Or that's number nine seed, or number fifty-eight seed career opportunities. Who gives a shit what a movie that, that is. I've never heard of, I am sure is better than Hook. But you know what? We're not going to watch it, I hook, bet. What do hook, you guys give think? Us hook, hook, <laughs> hook, give us the hook. Hook. Give us the hook. So when I said you're going to notice the age difference on this season for the first time, this is specifically what I was referring to. This dog shit movie that people younger than me and career opportunities. think is wonderful. What, what? Okay, Career Opportunities is Frank Wally, who would go on to get... Is. I'm about to explain nope, it. Okay. I'm angry. <laughs> God. Somebody slip him a Rufio. I... Uh, it's a Frank Wally gets stuck in a like a Walmart with Jennifer Connelly. Oh yeah, and she like rides the she rides a thing, and yeah. it's a meme, and okay. it's a gif. And it, I do is... remember that. I remember that part. It's like Malpasode the movie. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> be ten years old and have that happen, then that that will change your perspective on stuff. What what Hook but not... did is uh, let us know that your heroes might grow up and they might let you down. That's an important message for kids to learn. I know. Like, I, I feel like if more people had seen Hook, then they wouldn't have been so surprised that Luke Skywalker as an old man turns out to be a piece of shit. Yeah, if Peter Pan that, could grow into a piece of shit, so could Luke Skywalker. Peter Pan has a J-O-B, you guys. And, <laughs> and he's he a lawyer. At, and he yells at his kids for having fun. I'm a little nervous if we choose Hook because all of our fans will flood Robin Williams' daughter's Twitter saying right, they that's the movie of your dad. No matter how often she says, please don't do this, I'm actually grieving, and then Twitter will complete being a fucking cesspool about it. Let but, me correct you there. You're not actually grieving that much. Okay? I knew your dad better than you did, okay? 
<laughs> Have you seen all of Mork and Mindy? Let me tell you about your dad. It's bullshit that Hook goes up against this cheesy teen comedy. Like, I don't know. I mean, Hook obviously has a bigger thumbprint on culture, even though that sucks. But rest assured, I'm going to make it my damn just to get Hook out of this fucking bracket as soon as possible. Well, Hook's yeah. clearly in the Patreon slot. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely a, a Patreon possibility, but also it's probably moving on. Mike, you voting for Hook? Yes. Ryan, you voting for Hook? Yes. Yeah, Hook. All right. Congratulations, Hook. You are going to live forever, and you will never be voted off in just a couple of minutes. Up next... I know this is unprecedented. Can we just skip to the next one and just kick Hook off right now just to make <laughs> well, it feel better? I, I haven't heard of either of the next two uh, movies, and I guarantee it's go- they're going to beat Hook in the next round. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it's number 24 seed, Hearts of Darkness. I'm assuming the sequel to Heart of Darkness. <laughs> and then 41 seed, Life is Sweet, which, yeah, it is. Uh, the sequel to Hearts of Darkness, or Heart of Darkness, was Hearts of Darknesses. Hmm. So... It's double plural there. Heart of Darkness. So the board did something crazy this season. I think for the first time ever, there's not one but two documentaries on the bracket. And our first one is made by Mrs. Coppola about the filming, just the absolute shitstorm of the filming of Apocalypse Now. Okay, this is that? Yeah. Yeah, this one's going to move on. What's Life is Sweet? (laughs) Uh, Life is Sweet is about a British family. Uh, Who gives a shit? Go drink some tea and hang out with Paddington, you fucks. They're they're getting their chance. Man, isn't it wouldn't be nice to check in on what's up with Brits? You never hear from them. You never know culturally, it's like, what's it like to be in a British family? I guess I'll never know. (laughs) We've never done a documentary. Does that make you guys nervous? No, this is this is a good one to do. This one was like again, I was ten at this time. This I didn't see it, but my dad saw it and then talked about it the rest of my life. It will be interesting for that I'll reason. Finally understand it's also what Dad a definite opportunity about. to rewatch a movie that we should all rewatch often. Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And maybe read Heart of Darkness, a great but very racist novella. And maybe um, consume any right, of that so for the first time ever Ryan, in our lives. Hearts of Darkness. I was going to say, it's an opportunity for people to do it for the first time. <laughs> all right, Ryan, what, are, what do you think should move on? Hearts of Darkness or Life is Sweet? I got to say, I... Doing a doc makes me a little nervous, but if we were going to do one, this is it. I mean, it's it's a movie about a movie. Like, yeah, and I don't mean like yeah. a documentary about a movie. It's a it's a it feels like a fictional narrative about a movie. So, Hearts of Darkness. Also, isn't it like every time you try to do Hearts of Darkness, you become Kurtz? Yes. So, like, you always <laughs> go up the river. You always become crazy. I mean, that's not even something that we're we'll have to analyze. P- I bet people look in the camera throughout the documentary and say he's becoming Kurtz. He's just <laughs> like the guy. He's so smart and talented, but he's also going nuts. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Mike, what do you say? Is it going to be Hearts of Darkness or Life is Sweet? I want to see what these Brits are up to. Is life really sweet? That's fair. That's fair. But it's Hearts of Darkness, obviously, <laughs> is what's going to move on. As I said already, making any conversation null and, if I'm being honest, void. All right. Our next matchup is number four seed. This is this is hard for Greg and probably nobody else. Number four seed Thelma and Louise, a little film called Thelma and Louise, versus number sixty one, L.A. Story, the other Steve Martin comedy from nineteen ninety one that I think of makes like a a, a brace of movies, a, a duology of movies with Father of the Bride, a sort of 
LA story is like magical realism set in LA. It's lampooning LA. Um, and then maybe celebrating it a little bit. Uh, it's got fucking Enya music, hardcore oh, or, good or an, when Orinoco flow drops in this movie. Okay. Who you, it's going to change your perspective on film and music no and maybe barometric pressure. You have to see a LA story to understand what that means. It's hard to believe that songs like that, like Micah singing, like Greg is describing appear anywhere other than those like three in the morning commercials for CDs or cassettes. You can <laughs> I, buy. Thought you, I thought you were going to say for abused dogs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look how much this dog is shivering. Oh, I thought you meant like abused dog training tapes. Like this is how you do it. Uh, LA story was very strange to me even then because it seemed like an adult movie, like even more like father of the bride in so many ways, yeah. but had a ton of the comedy that I liked like naked gun and airplane. Yeah. Like, there are huh. some straight up, cheese jokes in this movie and it like i don't know if the whole thing works together but all of its separate parts are very interesting to see yeah it's got a genre fluidity that i think is is like more common but so does he though yeah i mean think like this art buying banjo playing but arrow (laughs) in his head like steve martin is the craziest like widest shooting comedian there is he's a wild and crazy guy but doesn't thelma and louise feel like one of the like biggest yeah, oh yeah. movies it's of all time. And Louise. Like you hear that you hear Thelma and Louise, and right away you can picture shots from it. Like you can't stop yourself from picturing shots of it. And I've never seen it Mm-mm. because in '91, uh, my parents didn't want me to see this one. I could see the robots fighting, but not this one. Yeah, they don't want Ridley's- you to see female empowerment. Too young. Ridley Scott has a movie uh, coming out at the time of this recording that uh, looks insane. The duel, the last duel, the last duel. Um, and so a lot of people are talking about his movies as happens and there's been a lot of like there's a clear top two for him mm-hmm. uh, but what is the third and I think it's this so very clearly he did I think this Thelma the- Louise yes yeah holy shit um, fuck off LA story this conversation just ended <laughs> <laughs> but I mean over Gladiator over all of his like more traditional boy stuff mm-hmm. this is this is it this is the winner I don't know if it competes with Alien and and Blade Runner, but those are the big three. I have to say, it would be so interesting to do a show about LA Story, and so maybe we can pretend like we're going to <laughs> in the the bonus. I am going to start taking keeping track of the Patreon options. I just and feel I think- like it's a it's a okay good yeah because of that I think that it's a movie that is kind of like a little bit lost in the midst of time, but potentially. Yeah you know, could be just so interesting to examine it, it maybe because it kind of got lost in the midst of time. So there's not that cultural imprint telling us how to, how to observe it, you mm-hmm. know, to be honest. And maybe this is way too long to talk about a movie in the first fucking round. But to be honest, I think that Steve Martin is a potential pot filter hall of famer, but the three of us just don't have enough shared experiences with him. They're all very you know? separate. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if we start to congeal some of those, then he's a shoe in. Wow. That's an interesting idea. Um, did I even ask you both, Mike? What What do you think should move on? Thelma and Louise. Yeah, so it's definitely Thelma and Louise, and I'm very, very excited to talk about this. Should it be able to beat whatever's next? Uh, and our next matchup is number twenty nine seed Freddy's Dead, the final is it chapter nightmare. Fre- Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare. Number twenty nine seed versus number thirty six seed La Belle Nonceuse. Louise. Louise. I actually don't know. So, which one do we want to talk about? Well, this second one, the, the one I just said that I can't say right, it's mm-hmm. French. 
And I want, so that and, obviously is going to be better than the last of the Freddy movies. And it's not the last. This is and the last before New Nightmare. And if it was New Nightmare, we'd be having a different conversation right now. Oh, yeah, uh, totally. For Yeah, for me, <laughs> it would be a very different conversation. If it's New Because that's Nightmare. where Wes Craven started to fuck with the ideas that would eventually become a Scream. But yeah, let's go French shit. <laughs> But right, for fr- wouldn't it feel so fun to watch a nice French movie? We we've had a yeah. lot of good times with the French movies we've seen on this show. Uh, let me pitch this movie real quick because um, it sounds French as fuck. <laughs> uh, a young girl moves into the house of an older artist. That's the plot. <laughs> French, French, French. French. All right. and then they French. Uh, hopefully, nothing weird. Because that wouldn't be very French, would it? And remember, it's all—it's always all about the French shit we made along the way. Mike, it would be a different conversation if it were the new chapter, but it's not. So does that mean you are French until the end? Yeah, let's eat some fucking baguettes. Ryan, can I assume the yeah, same? Yeah, let's go with La Belle Nuise. Yes. And you know what? Good luck, La Belle Nuise. I hope you make it into the next round. We are going to take the most microscopic of breaks and when we come back we are going to take the most microscopic of looks at the next match hey guys thank you so much for listening so far and let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it that's my guarantee while i have you here let me tell you about a website it's called yourpopfilter.com and it's everything you need that's related to pop filter everything mike everything ryan everything greg everything cassie Everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's YourPopFilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Bye! We are back with our next matchup. It is number 13 ranked Paris is Burning versus number 52 ranked Jungle Fever. And as someone who grew up in the 90s, I'm surprised that Jungle Fever is so low, actually. I felt like that had like a huge footprint. In in the 75 season, we talked a lot of uh, blockbuster video, and you just know it from the posters and the cases. To me, this is Jungle Fever. Yeah, it is just that. And I would just sit there and stare at it and be like, someday you'll watch and this, all- maybe. <laughs> There's a song too, right? In, in classic '91 style, there was also a song called "Jungle Fever." We got jungle fever. Yeah, which I don't feel comfortable singing any part of. But uh, <laughs> I think this movie is a lot like Sliding Doors in that it is more it, like it's more famous for the phrase that it popularized than it is for the actual movie. I don't uh, think it's very good. Uh, how many movies can have their cringe moment be the title of the fucking <laughs> movie? <Yeah. laughs> um. This is a director from Greg's directing team, though. I know. That's so. Who is it? It's it's Spike Lee, right? Yeah. This is Spike oh, Lee joint. Oh, shit. And I, honestly, in some ways, I want to watch it just because I feel like there are some things where we'd be like, wow, times have changed so much. But mm. I honestly think that the very core of this movie, and I think his point would probably be this, that the, the core of the racial dynamics have not changed at all. Right. Things on the surface have changed to make, like, you know, quotation marks progress, uh-huh. but not real, any sort of progress in a real sense. And Paris is Burning, is that the other documentary? 
This is the other documentary. This is about the New York drag fashion shows oh, that shit. basically gave birth to the TV show Pose. Oh. And the reason it's on here, like the reason it's helping Heart to Heart of Dark Hearts of Darkness make moody history is because it's it's essentially a narrative in its own right. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a type of documentary that is so talking heads and old footage that I do think it would be hard for us. Thin blue line. Th- this in uh, Heart of Darkness is not that. Oh, this is a tough matchup so early in the thing. Ultimately, guys, I do think that... I think another point of Spike Lee's with Jungle Fever, this is why I'm leaning hard, definitely leaning hard one way, is that, look, this could... like uh, Black couples and black and white mixed couples can have normal, boring rom-coms too. Mm. You know? like I don't think there's that much being done and said in that movie. Yeah, like that can be the big statement, but then when the... If that's true, then it's just a wrong. Yeah, that's just a the romantic drama, you know. Like, I don't know if like it's Spike, and we love Spike, and ever like we try to get a Spike movie in here every season. Yeah, but if we were gonna skip one though, everybody's got misses, right? It yeah. feels like this might be one of his. Paris is burning. I feel like that's very close to what the the, the shit that we care about. I don't know, Mike. What do you think? It's time to vote. Yeah, Paris is burning has been on my to watch list for so long, and Jungle Fever again is just. A poster to me. So, Paris is burning. Ryan? I agree. Yeah, all right. So, sorry, Spike Lee. I feel like maybe I didn't represent you very well since you're on my team and everything. But, I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't be too broken up about the fact that we're going to watch Paris is burning instead. He's crying right now. Sorry. (laughs) He doesn't know why. He just started crying. I feel really bad. This is a Knicks fan. He is used to disappointment. But still, you you don't want to disappoint him. Suck it. Take that. Take that Knicks. Take that Knicks fans. Take that Spike Lee, who I just kicked after knocking him down. All right. Next matchup is number 20, Naked Lunch, which I got to say, if you put naked in the title of your thing, I'm interested. I can think of at least two things wrong about this title. Uh, yeah. I don't know if being naked, the thing I want to do is have a lunch, but that's Not okay. lunch. That's the least sexy of meals. I still might see boobies. And then number 45, Bride of Reanimator, which I guess is another movie in the Father of the Bride series. Is that yeah. correct, Ryan? It's an equal. It's a, a co-equal. Reanimator, I feel like I've heard of that because of the um, much maligned by this show, movie American Beauty, where an- Reanimator is brought up. But Bride of Reanimator, they made this guy a lady, Mike? And didn't... We covered Reanimator for one of the seasons for Horror yeah. eighty five, I believe. Right. Oh, really? Okay. I I I stayed away from that because yeah, it's it was scary. You you weren't where you Te- are now, where you Te- want to watch all the spookies. Uh, Reanimator is my favorite of the that season by far. Like yeah. I really dug that movie. But as we said earlier in the show, horror franchises have two options. First one's good, or they're all terrible. Um. The other one is it David however, S. Burroughs Naked Lunch? Is it William William S. Burroughs? So David's going, brother. Go, going by, <laughs> oh, David's brother. They're close. Going by uh, Mike's poster rules. Uh, this is typewriter hat head. Typewriter hat head. Okay. The movie. Typewriter hat head. The, I mean, we have not, and I. I mean, I think this is solely because of Greg. We haven't done a Cronenberg movie before because he likes playing with bodies. Mike, you and I have done Shivers. Yeah, but. Uh, Greg has not sat on a Cronenberg movie. I don't think this one is as gross as Say the Fly or Dead Ringers, but it's weird. It's a fucking weird one. I have to say, I you brought up The Fly, so I have seen one of his movies, and I have decided that I never want to see any of his movies, and having seen The Fly, I know that that's true, 
because there was some cool stuff in the fly, but it was so grody. That was really awful that you watch that guy fall apart. I think that Naked Lunch is Cronenberg's most Lynchian movie to sound like a real fucking douchebag. Yeah, that's your uh, dickhead. <laughs> so I think this one will be okay for all Greg audiences. All right. But this well, is like a Greg Catch-22, right? Because there's no way. Bride of Reanimator is also going to have some body horror in it. No, that definitely will. Like I thought at first, I thought you guys were talking about Bride yeah. of Reanimator when you're talking about Cronenberg. Naked Lunch, that doesn't sound like something some creep would like. It sounds like something I would like. I'm not a creep. All right, so I am assuming that Naked Lunch is moving on, gentlemen. Yes. Yeah. All right, Naked Lunch. Up next, my own private Idaho, which already Idaho seems like it's almost that, number five versus number 60, Drop Dead Fred. Again, we were kids in the, in the 90s. Drop Dead Fred uh, about what would it be like if a child had a friend uh, who was an adult with ADHD. I went to one of the proms. Dressed basically as Drop Dead Fred to the point that my Nana got mad because I was disrespecting everybody who was there to take it seriously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so my, that's my vote. In my head, it's what if a little girl hung out with Russell Brand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Does he wear those shirts with like no collar? Uh, what is My Private Idaho? I feel like I've heard that over and over again, but I have no idea what my, it is. My Own Private Idaho is a movie I've never seen, um, but it's It's definitely become a classic now. It's uh, River Phoenix, just the one, and Keanu Reeves, uh, a, a Gus Van Sant movie. And this is the movie that like sort okay. of put him on the mainstream map, I believe. And so another another River Phoenix movie. Yeah. Man, we could have done a season that's just River Phoenix, Julia Roberts, and Steve Martin. The three of them made a lot of movies in 91. That was, That's my point, folks. That Hata was Hata. the 90s. I'm going to call for a vote right now. My Own Private Idaho is number five ranked versus Drop Dead Fred. Mike, which do you think should move on? Don't be We're, an asshole here, Mike. Drop Dead Fred. <laughs> You're such a twat. <laughs> is, that, is that your real answer, Mike? That's my real answer. All right, Ryan, what's your real answer? It's My Own Private Idaho, and, and I, ho- I wish to have Mike stricken from the record. Mike will, of course, be stricken from the record. When I edit this show, I will just remove his tracks. I've done it before, and I'll do it again, everybody. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, our next matchup is the number 28. I'm surprised it's that low. Shit, Greg is getting intense right now. The yeah. Rocketeer oh. versus number 37, La Femme Nikita. Now, Ryan, this is the f- the foreign La Femme Nikita, obviously, because the when it came to America, it had a different name. Point of no return. Point of no return, yeah. So the, this is French, right? Yeah. La Femme uh, Nikita. This is Luc Besson. About lady spies and being hardcore versus The Rocketeer, a movie I saw one time in 1991 as a child and said, I like this movie and have not seen since then. Or And almost nobody's talked about it. Is this, no. is this still big in the circles you guys have run with? No. I mean, in the circles of me and my sister, because it's one of the ones we rented all of the time, yes. But involving anybody else, no. It's an aesthetic, right? I mean, like he, we can picture the way he looks. We can picture the way the Zeppelin looks. But like nobody could, besides Mike, probably could tell you what happens in this movie or why. Right. Yeah. I, but the Femme Nikita, though, I, I don't know. As, as good as it is and as influential as it is, I do think that there's something about the Rocketeer that is so 91 while being so 41. That's you know? because, yeah, but, but I think, Ryan, with this movie in particular, that's because we were kids in 91. Like, you I, think it'd be awful if we watched it? 
I think it would be awful. I don't think anybody remembers it who didn't happen to be between the ages of like, you know, seven and Uh 14 when it came out. Like, I think it's been like completely, they actually, I think they're, Disney is kind of revitalizing the the property and I think they're going to make like a a sequel or a prequel to it. But I'm surprised because this has, this is like one of those Disney things that flops and then Disney like berries so that you can't even remember it existed. It's easier to get Song of the South than The Rocketeer. (laughs) (laughs) But I am going to call for a vote. So what's it going to be? Number 28, The Rocketeer, Ryan, or number 37, La Femme Nikita? I'm going Rocketeer. Whoa, Mike, what's it going to be? The Rocketeer or La Femme Nikita? I think The Rocketeer would be a fine Patreon episode. I'm going La Femme Nikita. Yeah, I, you know... I think that would be a great Patreon, and I hope we get to do it. It's just it would be interesting for me. I know you've seen it a lot, Mike, but a movie I saw one time thirty mm-hmm. years ago. That would just be interesting to watch it again because I'm sure yeah. as it plays out, I'll remember a lot of it. Also, Mike, for your little list, your little ninety-one cast that you're making, you know who plays the girlfriend? Who? Jennifer Connelly. Oh, all shit. over this list. Yeah, Connelly. Connelly all over the list. All right, up next is number twelve, Boys in the Hood versus number fifty-three, Hudson Hawk. <laughs> the flammy d right guys this is yeah. you're always been a big hot guy greg hudson hawk <laughs> many people will tell you hudson hawk is perhaps one of the worst movies ever made who, who is this what is this i just know the name this is after uh kind of being on top of the world for a solid five years or so uh that tv actor from moonlighting uh did the fucking like heat check of all heat checks and said, oh, I'm going to make Hudson Hawk work, which is, he is like a cat burglar, but the style of the film is Looney Tunes. <laughs> it's so strange. Wait, you're pitching this in a good way. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. Slammy D has been declared. There, our next matchup is number 21, My Girl versus number 44, Backdraft. This is another one that would probably be difficult for Greg and nobody else. Uh, Backdraft to me is only part of Universal Studios The Ride. My Girl is seminal. My vote is my girl. Uh, I think that I bet, and I haven't seen it in a while, but Backdraft sucks. I bet it's just stupid. Yeah. Uh, it's a special effects like showcase, right? Yeah. And it's it's weird that there's all these genres of movies, you know, that we get three of every year, whether it's cop movies or hospital shows or whatever. But this is the only one of the only firefighter movies to ever exist. Uh, still, my girl, my girl is so like that's so referenced. That's such an important <laughs> movie to. So many people. Would you say with my girl, there's just a lot more buzz, Ryan? Oh, don't <laughs> don't make me don't make me cry on air, Greg. Right? Maybe more heat with backdraft, but certainly a lot more buzz. Great with my great, girl. Great. <laughs> Why does Mike chant so weird? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, up next is let's see, number two seed. Have you guys heard of this? Terminator Two: Colon Judgment Day oh, versus one. number sixty three, Frankie and Johnny. Ryan, what's Frankie and Johnny again? A loser. <laughs> uh, Frankie and Johnny is, uh, I think, based on a play. It's uh, Al Pacino and Michelle Pfeiffer, like work at a diner and fall in love. Does it? Are you guys even soliciting? Like, no. does this matter? This, I was this thinking about Terminator Two. I was thinking about the part where he shoots the minigun off the second story of that building. Liter- listeners, uh, Greg seriously has a hand up to his chin and he's just staring out yeah. the windows. <laughs> Dreaming about Terminator 2. I love Terminator 2. What a great movie, man. I, we're going to get to talk about it. I'm going to get to watch every part of it again. Eddie Furlong. Can't wait to see you, Eddie Furlong. All right, let's vote, though. Uh, Mike, what are you voting for? Yeah, T2JD. Ryan? If Mike made that classic, 
movie of the year intro episode joke of voting for Frankie and Johnny, I would have done it as well. I just want you to know that. <laughs> just to watch me die. No, I on know air. when I should and should not do that joke. <laughs> all the, all the liquid leave my body right away, and I just blow away. You just turn into a Capri Sun. I am. Honestly, I'm more concerned that Terminator 2 is going to be the first movie to get multiple episodes in a season. <laughs> Terminator 2. Next week, the middle of Terminator 2. Okay, our next matchup is number 31, The People Under the Stairs. That sounds spooky. Versus number 34, What About Bob? Oh, come on, Bracket. <laughs> this is the... Can, can uh, the Bracket do some of this work on its own? I, I prefer the sequel to The People Under the Stairs, The People Under the Stairs versus Larry Flint. So that would have been a different conversation. What about Bob? I think a forgotten and maligned comedy. But Ryan, isn't it actually quite good? Bill Murray. <laughs> I don't think so. Greg. Richard Dreyfus. Uh, I do. This was a. Uh, this was the era of frustrated Richard Dreyfus running around <laughs> being like just so upset. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> Came on, it's vacation. Why he's is our original on? Schmidt. Yeah, dude, he's <laughs> yeah. brother Schmidt. He's the Ur Schmidt. I would say that Bill Murray's like. Just a Bill Murray performance, even if the movie's kind of weak, yeah. will destroy any movie like People Under the Stairs. A, a completely forgotten movie. And I want to finally figure out the difference between What About Bob and Drop Dead Fred, because as a kid, having rented them a lot, it is definitely What About Drop Dead Fred in my brain. Like, they're just smashed together. I think Drop Dead Fred and What About Bob hung out with Captain Ron a lot. Uh, <laughs> Captain Ron. Let, let's not miss our opportunity to reference Captain Ron, everybody. Captain Ron is very important for young Greg because that was on a list of movies that were PG thirteen that had full on boob in them, uh-huh. and I ca- I um, made sure yeah. I made sure I knew which movies I could rent where I would see a boob. <laughs> All right, what's it going to be, Mike? Is it going to be the people under the stairs where my closet is, or is it going to be what about boob? What about boob? What about boob, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, neither of these movies should be on the bracket, but no. what about Bob moves on? And they this is this is yeah fodder for the next round for sure. All right, this next one, it is, let's see, what is this called? The Daughters of the Dust versus New Jack City. Daughters of Dust is 15. New Jack City is 50. New Jack City certainly has had a rich life on the internet through meme culture. I've heard of that title. If you've ever seen Wesley Snipes cry. Yeah. With a gun pointed at you. Yeah. New Jack City, my vote. Who cares what Daughters of Dust is? Vampires, I assume. Honestly, New Jack City has got a lot of cred as like a fun, like or an interesting gangster movie, right, Ryan? It's. uh, I mean, I I think you had to be born around there. Yeah. Uh, Daughters of the Dust though was my pick for the bracket. Oh, tell us about it, stud. Even though it's a movie I've never heard of, Ryan. Yes, even though Greg, believe it or not. Uh, Dodge of the Dust is a movie about an island off the coast of the country uh, that is inhabited by uh, Gola people. Uh, it's a mom and her daughters, and they are trying to figure out how to live basically like it's a, you know 200 years ago, even though the mainland is right there. Huh. It's, but it's not a documentary? It's not a documentary. It's, it, it's stylized like that a little bit. It's a little bit slower. It doesn't have all of your gun-gun boom-booms of New Jack City. But I think it's a very important movie, a very underseen movie, which is what we always love on these brackets. Now, Mike, if you're anything like me, you stop listening after Gun Gun Boom Boom. Are I just you thought moved? about all the cool Gun Gun yeah. Boom Booms in my life. Are you at all moved by Ryan's argument? I mean, it does sound interesting. It's basically, you know this meme or Ryan's heartfelt pitch. Yeah. So, <laughs> and the See, meme In your is, head, that's 50-50. It's going to yeah. be one I know frame, that meme. One frame out of hundreds of thousands versus... 
the movie that Ryan recommended we watch. What do you think, Mike? What should it be? Yeah, let's Daughters of the Dust. Ryan, I do wonder how many people are pissed right now. It's it's hard to get put my thumb on New Jack City. I know it's not as good as its reputation, but are people like right. ride or die for it? I don't know. I'm picking Daughters of the Dust. Conti- I think there's a contingent for sure. Yeah, because of the cast and because you of the aesthetic. Write it down for a patron? Yeah, yeah. Write it down. I think we write should write it down. Write it down. Let's be true to that group of people. Up next is a movie that I think might be about an airport. It's number 18, JFK, versus number 47, The Commitments. Oh, no. What's The Commitments? Yeah, speak to The Commitments, Ryan. Oh, The Commitments is... Are you afraid of this movie, Ryan? Because you used to be back when we were in high school. (laughs) Real good used to be joke, Greg. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, The Commitments is about this, I want to say Scottish, um, Welsh maybe? You know, like those islands? Yeah, yeah. all of them talk funny. Those, those famous islands, harsh, Scotland harsh, harsh, and, harsh, harsh, and harsh, Wales. Uh, the land of the red-headed people. Um, this guy decides to put together a like soul blues band. And it is one of the most adorable, charming, incredible movies I've ever seen. Oh, like a Waking Ned Divine or something? It's not like that. It's much better than that. Like a Full Monty? It's better than that. It's like way better than Like a Son of Rambo? Like a Billy Elliot? Okay, but look, Billy, why the ballet? It's definitely in that category, but much better than all those movies. Versus JFK, like... Oliver Stone, right, Ryan? This feels like a biggie. I it can't feels believe so it. 1991. It does feel 91, but you said that derisively almost, but isn't that the point of the show, though? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it's this low. Did you say the yeah. 18th seat, Greg? Did I say that? I say so much stuff. Yeah, uh, 18th seat. I would think this That's is the wild. top eight easily. Yeah. yeah, it felt like one of the biggest movies of 91. I'm writing down the commitments. That's how sure. awesome I think it is. Yeah. Because uh, I think that you guys would love it. But Jif Kizai. Yeah. I think I think Jifka is a candidate for taking this whole thing down. Ooh. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Okay, very exciting. I hope I hope JFK moves on past the next round, which a lot of you are probably thinking, aren't we in the next round? Uh, you're really dragging your feet here, Greg. It's like, okay, I'm trying to do this as fast as I can. All right, I don't need criticism while I'm hosting the show. That's not helpful to me. Up next is number seven seed, Cape Fear, based on that one episode of The Simpsons. Versus number fifty-eight, Europa, Europa. I don't know if that's a typo. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to give it away. This was the thriller I was talking about. We already have a thriller coming up. Let's just give it to Cape Fear. Let's just stop and talk about all of the iconic moments from this movie. Uh, Luv yep. and Hat yep. on the knuckles. Very good. The uh, uh, the part where he uh, walks onto the rakes all those times. He steps on a bunch of rakes. Yeah. He starts uh, singing uh, the songs from yeah. what's that? HMS, HMS pinafore. <laughs> yes. The, the part where he says he wants to drive through that this cactus patch. <laughs> 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 I do. I do. Not me. Not two to one. Let's go. <laughs> uh, that might be one of the best episodes of The Simpsons. The part. I'm still going. Okay. The part Sorry. where. Uh, <laughs> They're trying to teach Homer his new uh, yes. alias, and he's like, all right, when I stomp on your foot, this is like hours into yeah. it, when I stomp on your foot, just blink one time. <laughs> and Still then he goes, Mr. Johnson, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, you want to see my new <laughs> chainsaw and hockey mask? Can we say that week we will do a special Patreon episode yes, about that yes. episode? Where we just... What we'll I think we just did it, but sure. <laughs> Okay, uh, Ryan, do you have anything you want to say about Europa Europa? Yeah, Europa Europa is about a Jewish kid who is trying to hide from the Nazis. So what do you do? You dress like a Nazi and you join a Nazi troop. Is it the definition of you can't beat them, join them? But I think this is closer to 
I don't know for sure, but I think it's closer to like life is beautiful than it is come and see. I think it's closer to like the let's find the hope. Isn't it heartwarming? Yeah. <laughs> okay. When you when you said life is beautiful, I wonder if there was there's like hijinks. I, there might be a hijink or two. Yeah. Oh man, you know if you do that, you make the audience complicit because like they <laughs> yeah. they laugh at the jokes and then you're like, you're okay, but this is a Nazi and Nazi humor. For this kind of movie, it's a Heil jinx. <laughs> oh man, you got to save that for the, the the show. Although you'd probably have to work it in because we're not going to be talking about this movie ever again. I think Cape Fear is right at that line of good and iconic. Like if it was just slightly worse, yeah. then we'd put in a foreign movie that we'd never seen. But Cape Fear is pretty iconic. Yeah, it's Scorsese. Also, there's going to be some some real fun cringies in there. All right, up next is number 26. Oh, holy crap. I got to brace myself for this one. If I weren't sitting down, I would immediately sit down. So now I'll just slouch. Number 26, <laughs> Robin Hood, the Prince of Thieves, <gasps> versus number 39, Star Trek, the Undiscovered Country. Star Trek 6, the Undiscovered Country. Yeah. Oh, Star Trek, go oh, fucking fuck This is tough. not my Star Trek crew. They can kick rocks. This yeah. is anything I do. Yeah. Oh, Brian Adams. Yeah. Wake those neighbors, buddy. Kevin, Kevin Costner just being like, I will not be attempting any sort of accent for this movie. I'm from England. I'm Robin of Loxley. Hey, we're from England. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna introduce a new segment this season called Track Bracket, where we go through the the big songs from our uh-huh. ninety one movies. Yep. And every time, like Mike just keeps singing these bangers. <laughs> yeah, absolute bangers. This it's gonna be a tough bracket. This this movie put me on my lifelong goal of if I'm in the woods, I will dig under the leaves to try to scare and trap people because that's what little John and his pals did. I know this movie backwards and forwards. Yes. If if anybody ever says any, like why a blank, like in the movie says spoon, then uh-huh. I will scream no matter who it is because it's dull. You twit, it'll hurt more. <laughs> oh, Alan Rickman is a villain. Yeah. When we come back, we are going to get to our next group of matchups. Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, You could pay for ryan to draw you a picture Uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on bandcamp he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music check them out up next is our number 10 and very chant worthy barton fink barton fink barton fink versus number 55 i can't believe it's so low don't tell mom the babysitter's dead the movie that gave us the line the dishes are done man don't tell mom don't tell mom uh this is the coen brothers yep so but I've yeah. seen one of these a thousand times, and I've, I've never also, seen this Barton Fink. Is this like, is this the fault of USA or TNT or HBO? Like, I have seen Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead thousands of times. I didn't have cable till high school, so no, this is the fault of my parents and them just letting me and my sister pick whatever garbage we wanted to pick over and over and over again. This movie, that, that movie has Christina Applegate in it, right? Yeah, it does. 
Yeah, I, mean, I remember. <laughs> I remember yes, that. Part. She is in that. <laughs> uh, Barton Fink, though, is such an interesting look at Hollywood and insanity and wrestling pictures. I've only said this once, I think, so far. So get ready for me to start saying it a lot in this episode. Barton Fink has the chance to take this whole thing down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been, again another movie about movies instead of a movie about dead babysitters. But Mike, look into your heart and tell me, which do you think should move on? I think that Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead would be a fine Patreon Are You, you really want me to write that shit down? <laughs> You're really and gonna my w- vote is for Barton Fink. Use ink on that. Ryan, what do you say? You really want me to write down DTMTBD? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Barton Fink. So hard. Barton Fink. That movie's rated R. <gasps> All right. Up next is number 23, Slacker, versus number 42, Defending Your Life. Uh, shit some matchups with people under the stairs versus what about bob (laughs) slacker is like an early big is that an independent movie ryan slacker it's the most independent movie yeah uh yeah this is richard linklater's first movie uh and it's just walking around town probably austin the guy fucking loves austin and just uh, talking to the people that are hanging out like literally plotless feels like he might have been a bit of a slacker as a filmmaker but defending your life is Albert Brooks, uh, you know, afterlife movie. Uh, I've never seen any Albert Brooks like made the movie movie. Unfortunately, <laughs> what are we going to say? Directing. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen here. Uh, this is such a this is such an important movie in the whole like that whole let's just pick up a camera and film that Slackers. just swept through the mid nineties. Yeah, and the idea of the slacker got mm-hmm. really big. In the '90s, this is after the after the '80s had absolutely just wiped out people. Right. Uh, then anyone who wouldn't work because they were emotionally damaged was called a slacker, and that became a very big category. I heard about this movie for so long, and I finally watched it, and I was so upset. Like, this movie is garbage. Uh, revisiting it is a lot different because you get older and you realize that movies can be different things. Oh, they can be. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. So Ryan, what would you vote should move on? I mean, Link later is part of my director's team. I got to stand by him. Let's go Selecker. You wouldn't want to abandon somebody on your director's team. That's unconscionable. That. Uh, Mike, what do you think should move on? Uh, I said Slacker before I knew anything about either of those movies and I'll go with that still. All right. Slacker takes it down. Up next, number three seed, Beauty and the Beast, versus number 62 seed, An Angel at My Table. Ryan, what is An Angel at My Table? (laughs) So this is Jane Campion, who may be the winner of 2021. She's got a movie called The Power of the Dog that might be this year's like movie of the year. But uh, this is her second movie, I want to say. And I've never seen a movie before that gets anxiety more on camera like this movie is crushing to watch it's about a uh author a new zealand author who uh was wrongly accused of having schizophrenia and put into a hospital for eight years full of electroshock treatment um but it's carrie fox she was in shallow grave just it's it's really hard to watch it because she's so good and has so much anxiety but going against the titan this is like this might be the best Disney movie of all time. Yeah. It's lush. Yeah. It's gorgeous. The music is actually good. 
It's got as good a CGI in parts than as Terminator 2. I re- dude, I remember like the reports they did on how they used computers to uh-huh. do this. And so then you saw things in animation that you generally didn't see, which is these fluid panning shots in 360 degrees of, of environment. Uh, it was like the act- absolute peak of Disney. There was a mm-hmm. fever for it. I couldn't imagine not doing it a show about it. Gave way to one of the hardest Sega Genesis games. Dude, all of those, man, all those like Sega glory year uh, Disney games were so hard. You know all what right, kids Mike, like? Never getting past the first level. Mike, what do you vote for? Yeah, I have to vote for the first movie I saw in movie theaters. It's Beauty and the Beast. That's so cute, Ryan. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. You're also adorable. <laughs> all right, up next is number 30 seed, The Naked Gun 2 and a half versus number 35 seed child's play three which i'm assuming is not one of the good child's play movies (laughs) see it's not bride of chucky which would redefine the that movie is legit though that movie's actually good bride of chucky jennifer tilly jennifer no i know that's i I was mocking myself because it said the same thing but i'm right about all these genres or all these franchises eventually they have one where they're like what if we did this good again can we just move past this one like yeah yeah, it's it's naked gun right naked gun We'll move is on OJ in this one? To be destroyed. Is. Nordberg is in this one. Dude, it would be so nice to see the juice again, right? <laughs> well, we got our cringe. All right. Um, number 14, Mike, this is your pick. <laughs> Problem Child 2 versus number 51, The Reflecting Skin. Uh, the Reflecting Skin is a young Vigo Mortensen. I want to say. Oh, yeah. Wow. Must be very young. Uh, and it's like, it's another like sort of slower foreign feeling, independent feeling movie where he like, he pretends his neighbor is a vampire. Cool. Uh-huh. And then he has reflecting skin. The vampire does. Yeah. Like the vampires in Twilight. Oh, because he shimmers. Okay. I get it. I, this gave me, I love John Ritter. Because of this movie, love Gilbert Godfrey. Because of this movie, I was a very quiet, nice, polite kid, and the Problem Child, yeah, franchise let out my problem id. Like I watched this kid went, yeah, that's what I wish yeah, I could dude. do. And then he got to come up and because Problem Child two, there's a girl who's even worse than him. Yeah, is this is the Problem Child series, Mike, where you fell in love with Braddy Gingers? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it just set me for the rest of my life to this day. Now, here's why Problem Child 2 is not going to move on, even uh, against this movie that we've never heard of or seen. In the first movie, John Ritter's wife, Amy Yazbek, plays his wife in the movie. And then she's, she's really mean, and she gets the boot. Uh-huh. And then in the next, in the second movie, she comes back as a different character. And what? then her and John Ritter hook up. Hey, I, that's, that's unexplainable. We're not and- talking about Problem Child 1, though. We're talking about this one in a vacuum. Oh, really? It's important to talk about Problem Child 2 in a vacuum. That makes me think that John Ritter said, I only want to be smooching my wife, so you got to find a way to... Yeah, he's a good Cameron vibes. I love it. Uh, Ryan, what do you think should move on? The Reflecting Skin or Problem Child 2? Brought uh, to you by Mike. Uh, I'm going to say Reflecting... Reflection... What is it called? The Reflecting Skin. The not Mike one. Mike, what do you think should move on? Your own movie? Yes. And then it will come down to me. Whatever the Reflecting Skin is, I hope it's interesting. Rude. Yeah, sorry. Up next is number 19, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. This is the better Bill and Ted movie. Whoa. Versus Until the End of the World, number 46 seed. What is that? Uh, Vim Vendor's, I don't really know. I know William Hurt is in it. I yeah, can who gives see the cover. Bill and Ted. 
I like Bogus Dirty a lot. Yeah, it's dude, Bill and Ted's Ode to Bergman. Come on, I, I believe they give the devil a wedgie, <laughs> <laughs> which is like that's the most ninety-one thing you can say. There's Station. Who becomes bigger station? What the fuck was Hell station? Yeah, Where dude. did that come from? Nothing. There's nothing in the first movie that would yeah. ever no. make you think station was coming. The, the, this is a movie that said sequels have to incorporate more. They have to have a bigger worldview. I thought you were going to say station. Problem Child 2, <laughs> station. Uh, we should probably do a Wim Benders movie at some point, but not probably this not point. this season. Probably not today. Is anybody objecting to saying Bill and Ted's bogus journey? Nope continues on listen we're cinephiles okay we take this very seriously up next another movie so close to my heart it almost hurts number six point break versus number 59 rosencrantz and gildenstern are dead based on the tom stoppard play of the same name i love that play i feel like it helps redefine uh who i am as a person when i read it in high school fuck that it's point break johnny utah dude point break uh, Nick Nolte's up in this piece I think that we're we're gonna be able to do so much with point break Rosencrantz and Gilmanson are dead are I think it's kind of better in premise than it is in practice yes mm-hmm. I agree with that for sure I uh, once you hear about it you're like that sounds sweet and then getting through it can be a trog because you like you already know the thing about it yeah which is that they just stand yeah. around because they're just extras yeah <laughs> uh, I wrote so many you can tell the period I read waiting for Godot and Rosencrantz and Gilmanson because all the short stories and pseudo plays i wrote in high school just changed from like <laughs> fucking are you afraid of the dark style to that <laughs> now if you want to write if tom stoppard wants to write a play called anthony kiedis is dead uh and it's just anthony kiedis who has a very small role in point break and it's the whole film of point break from his perspective <laughs> yeah. i will read the shit out of that yes as i as i said in the patreon show i'm reading dracula and i really want to see the story of dracula from dracula's perspective because when he has the jonathan harkness at his castle at first Dracula has to keep his brides from eating Jonathan nonstop. <laughs> and that would be such an interesting sort of like farcical story. Yeah. Where he's like, <laughs> he's just okay, like running wait. around. Oh, There's two Benny of Hill. them in here. Where's the other one? Oh, no. <laughs> also, Jonathan Harkness played by Johnny Utah. Hell yeah, dude. Dracula. Check it out. Okay. So what's it going to be? Rosencrantz and Gildenstern are dead or point blank, Ryan? Point I, I, break. I would have been surprised if Rosencrantz and Gildenstern, a really hard name to say, and I don't, yeah. I'm glad we're not doing a show on it. Made it a round or two, but not up against Point Break. Get the fuck out of here, gentlemen. Do you agree, Mike? Yes. People are saying Point Break has what it takes to take it all down. Wow. I like that. I don't disagree, honestly. Yeah. Point Break. Another rated R movie that I was allowed to see in that magical summer of 1991, (laughs) where my mom did not know what to do with me, and so (laughs) expanded what cinema I was allowed to view. Also boobs. boobs. Also boobs. There's boobs in that one. Um. All right. Our next matchup, num- number twenty-seven, The Doors, Ugh. versus Is this number thirty. Yeah. Yes, a- about perhaps the worst band of all time. Oh, versus goodness, number thirty-eight, suck. Hot Shots! Exclamation point. And I'm not joking when I say, shall we call this a Hot Shots? This is a slam yes. dunk to me, dude. right now. We already have an Oliver Stone movie on. Part right. two is equally as good. Nobody's fucking around, right? Like we're just no, moving this directly. On. On. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch a whole fucking Fuck movie Jim Morrison about fucking Doors. Yeah. All right, up next, A Brighter Summer Day, number 11C, versus number 54, High Heels. Okay, so A Brighter Summer Day is the common C, I think. What's the okay. seating, Greg? Uh, it is number 11. Number 11 is pretty high. In this year, yeah. I like. We've never talked about Edward Yang before. Um, this is, a, I think, an extremely important director that is only now getting 
his due getting talked about. People have so infrequently talked to me about this man before that I've never even heard his name. And that's crazy to me. Because uh, I'm on a movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, I forget what high heels is. I'm just, like, I'm just gonna take this vote. They're those shoes where the back has the pointy. Yeah. All right, so let we're gonna we're going with Ryan right here, Mike. We're gonna say yeah. brighter summer day. That's a good argument to be like this is the come and see of like okay here we go. Up okay, our last matchup of this first round three days later is number twenty two, <laughs> the Fisher King, versus number forty three, City Slickers. And I remind you, City Slickers has Billy Crystal. And I'll remind you. The director of the Fisher King already has a movie of the year under his belt. Who that? Terry Gilliam. So oh, that's a, oh. I'm suddenly more interested in it. I don't I remember the Fisher King like in that blockbuster video way we've been describing. Like it's right. a box that's on, that's on the shelf and maybe I've seen a little bit of it, but w- Ryan, could you tell us a little bit about what it's about? Yeah, it's uh, Jeff Bridges and Robin Williams. So this is a way to keep Robin Williams in the bracket after cook- kicking out Hook. Um and they are on the search for the Holy Grail. And it's just, it's very weird and strange. And that like, actually sounds pretty interesting. Terry oh. was like, I'm going to get it right this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, fucking Terry Jones isn't here to co direct this bad movie. Uh, Having seen them both, Ryan, what, what do you, do you have any advice for us? Uh, yeah, you guys have seen City Slickers. So let's kill, let's pick the Fisher King. I mean, like, what are we going to do with a City yeah. Slickers show? Uh, talk talk about, about the search for Curly's gold a lot. That is exactly what we're <laughs> gonna do the entire time. We're gonna talk about that. They don't even know that they're something... gonna have to go searching for Curly's gold later. And they they're with his twin brother. But at least they that's nuts. At you didn't know they, that guy had a twin brother. They wrote in the story that it was his twin, as opposed to Problem Child Two, which just brought back Amy Yazbek with it's, no explanation. Well, it's clear in that world that John Ritter has a very defined type, and it's fucked up. All right, so that is the end of the first round. We have left over now 16 movies. No, it's 32. We have 30. <laughs> Jesus Christ. When we come back, gosh. <laughs> well, that is so much show, ladies and gentlemen, that we are going to move on and do our next round next week on Movie of the Year. <laughs>